Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All right, Ben. Jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 103. My name is Felipe Leon from Tijuana, Mexico, and with us, as always, from the Bay Area in Northern California is Miss Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, thank you. And from the Inland Empire, just east of his hometown of East L.A., is none other than Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good, Felipe. Hi, Lupi. How are you guys doing? Hey, good, good. Thank you, David. Well, we have a special show today. As promised on our last show, we made some phone calls, and we are able to secure a special exclusive interview with none other than Mr. Mark Taffet. Obviously, for those of you who don't know, but you should, Mr. Mark Taffet is um, the co-manager of Clarissa Shields and also is a former executive at HBO, and he was in charge of actually pay-per-view at HBO. So we spoke about it last time that we would have a special uh, guest that had to do with that pay-per-view set for March 5th, where Clarissa Shields will be in the main event, taking on Canada's Mary Eve DeCary for the IBFW. I think it's the, all the belts because it actually it's the vacant super WBA belt, uh, the WBL belt, WBC belt, and the IBF uh, belt uh, at 154 pounds. So she, he's, she's, he's going to be talking to us about that event. And also... A little bit later in the show, we're going to have Mr. Cesar Garcia of uh, uh, Grito de Guerra Promotions, and he is involved with the promotion for the just-announced WBC interim super flyweight title fight between Los Angeles' Adelaida La Clobra Ruiz and Mexico City Sonia Osorio, who's the actual interim um, WBC champion at 115 pounds, and Adelaida Ruiz is going to get her first opportunity for our world title. So those are going to be our two special guests. We also have some fight chatter that we want to talk about, also some results, and then also what's coming up in the calendar as far as female boxing in the next couple of weeks. So moving on to the fight results fairly quickly here on Saturday, January the 30th in Argentina, uh, Micaela Lujan had another opportunity at the uh, 122 IBF title 
and she was actually, I'm sorry, super flyweight title, 115 pounds, and she was able to score a split decision over her countrywoman, Argentina, Deborah Vanessa Gomez, with scores of 97-93 two times for Lujan and 97-93 for Gomez. So Lujan in her second attempt in a row for a world title shot, now she can call herself a world champion, and she is for the IBF 115 pound title. Also in South Carolina, our guest on our last show, Mia Ellis scored a first round TKO over Miatia Oglesby in the four rounder at 135 pounds. The time there was 46 seconds and that was on the uh, on a card promoted in Florida. And actually was it Florida it was Florida. It wasn't South Carolina. It was Florida promoted by Christy Martin, the legendary Christy Martin. And in Costa Rica, Jocasta Valle scored a unanimous decision over the number one ranked IBF 105-pound contender from Japan, Zana, Sana Hasuki, scores there were 192 times and 98-92. Dave, you had a chance to take a look at that fight with Jocasta Valle and Hasuki. What were your thoughts of Valle's performance? Um, well, she uh, she basically boxed around uh, uh, Hasuki, and uh, as usual, the, uh, the Japanese fighters, when they come for a title fight, uh, they'll play around. They just go straight forward and attack, attack, attack. And they do it with, uh, with skill. And she gave, uh, even though Yocasta, uh blanked her on two cards, uh, each round was pretty, it was pretty competitive. Uh, she, Yocasta never really had it easy, but um, she said that uh, she really... Um, kind of gives the Japanese credit. She said so far she, she's a one-in-one with the Japanese, and she says they always come to fight. Lupe, did you get a chance to watch the fight? I caught um, a little bit of it, and uh, it was a little hard to see, but um, from what I saw, Yokasta with the with the one-two, I mean, to, I, when I was, you know, trying to watch it, it seemed like she was really busy. But the yeah, angle there was, was a little weird. Yeah, the angle that we were catching it from. Obviously, this was a major fight in Valle's uh, hometown, home country of Costa Rica. I mean, it was promoted very, very heavily in her home country. But it was kind of tough to get a, a link or a, a, um, some for us to watch. So there was actually a a weird angle from like a truss up in the air yeah. in a corner. Um, from from the trust where the lights were set up, they actually set up a camera up there, and that's the angle that they were giving on. I think it was Facebook. The it looked like the venue was like a like a uh, a uh, like a mall, like a shopping mall. And obviously behind closed doors, they set up the ring there. There was a little bit of audience. I mean, very social distance, and there was a little bit of mm-hmm. audience, but. It's kind of hard to see, but as David and Lupe mentioned, Yokasavai looked the busier of the two, but Azuki really going after her and, and actually going for her. Um, I think there was a head clash or something of that sort, and Hazuki suffered a cut over her right eye. Quite interesting that I, in Valle's, um social media, the next day, her team and Hazuki's team had lunch together. They had pizza together, and it's obviously... You know, they were enemies inside the boxing ring, but outside the boxing ring, they're somewhat friends or colleagues in, in boxing, and they're able to enjoy a meal together. And there I was able to see that Hazuki uh, had some bandage on her, um, on her over her right eye. So Valle 
defends her IBF 105-pound title. Originally, she was supposed to go to Germany in mid-December and rematch Tina Rupert for the WBC and the IBF titles. That fight did not happen because of COVID. Germany ended up shutting down, and that fight was postponed. It was supposed to happen mid-January in Costa Rica, but Tina Rupert's team were actually making some out-of-the-box um, demands regarding the judging and the officiating of the fight. So that fight fell through the wayside. And now Hazuki, the number one contender, got the opportunity to challenge Valle for the title this past Saturday night. But Valle took the unanimous decision. And now we will see how things change on the 105-pound panorama because we do know that in March, um, Siniesta Strata of East L.A. is going to be challenging the WBA 105-pound champion veteran Anabela Vispa Ortiz. And winning there, um, you know, now she has something to bring to the table against the other champions at 105 pounds, which is Valle uh, for the IBF, um, uh, Taka, who, Otada, who is for the WBO, the Japanese, and then we have Rupert for the WBC out of Germany, Austria. So then we will see how Golden Boy goes after those fighters and tries to put it together. David, in your opinion, do you think that Senesa Strada winning that title at, in, in Texas has enough to offer to bring Valle into the United States or Valle is a big enough star? We know she's a big enough star in her hometown, home country of Costa Rica that she could try to force the fight to be in Central America. That's a really good question. Um, uh, I was talking to her manager, uh, Mario Vega, and uh, he uh, insists that they could bring 45,000 fans to the stadium if, you know, the the virus subsides and they're able to, to, to do that. But if they can bring 45,000 fans to a stadium, he's positive that they could offer a, a good enough purse for Sinisa to come over. But, I mean, Sinisa does it once once she wins that title, she's gonna be uh it's gonna be a close call. The the purses are gonna be pretty pretty big for hundred and five. They might be record breaking for hundred and five pounds. But it sounds from what you're kinda of saying is that Sinisa has some kind of guarantees with Golden Boy where if she wins the title, her purse can increase uh quite a lot. Yes once she has a world title. But that doesn't mean that that Golden Boy would have the budget up to pay Estrada what she is guaranteed in her contract and an opponent or another world champion like Valle. Like, for instance, let's say that they that it's over $100,000 for Sinesa Estrada, but there's not that much room for the um, the opponent, and it's only fifty, sixty thousand. 60000 I don't see why Valle would come into the United States and enter into the United States and, and, and put up her belt if if her manager says that by, you know, getting 45000 into a stadium, they can offer, you know, a lot more money, not only for Valle, but maybe match uh, Siniesta Estrada's guarantee. So that, that could be an obstacle there where, I mean, putting on my manager hat and, and stepping into Mario Vegas' shoes, 
I wouldn't take any any less money than I think I could generate in Costa Rica to fight in the United States. I mean, yeah, there there's the allure of fighting in the United States, and it might be in Texas, it might be in Vegas, it might be in L.A., but at the end of the day, you know, it's about the money. And, and I, I am sure that Valle has visited the United States before, as you may have mentioned, so it's not such a big thing about coming in to the United States, but making enough money that it makes sense when she could generate a pretty big purse for herself in Costa Rica. Yeah, but you know, maybe to Vale, maybe that uh, (coughs) taking that pay cut is she'll probably she'll have to balance that whether it does, you know, the pay cut versus being in the U.S. because it could be on a nice card and she does want to fight in the U.S. I've also spoken to I've also spoken to uh, uh, Team Estrada and if the money's there, they they've told me that they're willing to go anywhere. The money's good. She's very now, confident. Is Valle, She's confident she's going anywhere. Is Valle still involved with uh, that local promoter in L.A.? Uh, I'm not sure. I think she is. I think she is with Red Boxing. When she fights here. Okay. In fact, I think they had two fighters on the card. On the card in Costa there? Rica. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, I mean, that's yeah, something that... Yeah, so fighting that, in L.A. might be worth it. You never yeah. know. To fight in California, that might be worth it to her. To so we'll have to that. see. We're going to have to see how things work out. Obviously, we have to wait for the result. I mean, we're kind of jumping the gun here. We have to wait for the result True. of um, uh, uh, Estrada and Avispa Ortiz. That needs, that needs to happen. And obviously, Estrada needs to come out as the winner of that division so that all these other uh, scenarios can work themselves out because not only is Valle willing to face her and unify, but also we would imagine that Tina Rupert, you know, might make a substantial offer to have uh, Estrada come to Germany if, or if not vice versa, if her team kind of gets out of their head, certain demands that they were asking of Valle, they don't try to make those demands uh, to somebody else. And then we also have, I don't believe that Tata's team in Japan can generate enough uh, of a purse to have Siniesa go over there, but I'm sure that Golden Boy, probably of, the, of all the other champions, Tata might be the most accessible financially for, for her to be the first champion that Estrada, if she comes out as a WBA champion on her next fight, March 20th, to be able to unify again. It's very possible. Well, before we have our first guest, who is going to be Mr. Mark Taffet, uh, should be in about uh, any minute now. He should be calling in. Let's see if we can get a little bit of some of the fight chatter out of the way because we do have a little bit of a busy uh, agenda here with the two interviews that we do have. But today, the WBC announced featherweight Amanda Serrano was elevated from interim to regular or absolute WBC champion. The former regular champion, Jelena Miranovic, has been elevated to champion, how do you pronounce that, David? Emeritus? Emeritus. 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 Yeah, Mm -hmm. Emeritus. So Serrano is scheduled to defend her WBO and WBC titles against Argentinian Daniela Bermudez from Puerto Rico on March 25th and broadcast live in the U.S. on on the Ring City Boxing Series. Bermudez has campaigned mostly at 118 pounds, but did not cap, but did capture the IBF 122-pound title in one of her most recent fights, but left it vacant. Um, we were, we're going to discuss this, um, this, this brand news. I mean, this breaking news just happened today. We're going to discuss it because this changes the 
the panorama this changes things in the 126 pound tie in the 126 pound division um but before we get to that we do have on the line with us none other than former hbo executive and now co-manager of the multi multi-champion and unified currently unified 160 and 154 pound champion clarissa shields mr taffet good evening how you doing tonight i'm okay how are you a little late on the east coast but uh yeah i'm with you thank you sir thank you for taking the time and, and maybe a little bit past your bedtime being with us and as <laughs> tradition i am going to pass the baton to mr david avila david go right ahead Hi, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm okay, David. Nice to hear your voice. Friendly voice. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, thank you very much. Same here, Mark. Uh, how's the weather over there? Is it treating you better? It's cold. We still ha- we have 30 inches of snow melting slowly. Wow, that's horrible. Are you yes. able to conduct <laughs> business? And can, can you conduct business in that kind of a condition? Well, my, you know what? In COVID. Business is inside, not outside. It's over the airwaves. So the truth is, whether I'm at my home in Florida in 80 degrees or uh, here in New Jersey in 30 degrees with 30 inches of snow, doesn't matter as long as the cell phone's plugged in. <laughs> so, so tell us about this uh, journey to, to get uh, Clarissa Shields uh, back in the boxing ring again. Now, what, what were some of the things that you had to go through to get this done? Wow, it's been a really long, hard road. Um, and I, I really feel for Clarissa because she's been so patient. You know, she's young. She's 25 years old. She's hungry. She can't, she wants to fight every day if she can. And um, it's been a very, very difficult road. The last time she fought was back uh, a, a year ago, January against Ivana Habazin. And, um, we were very close a few times. We were supposed to fight May 9th with Clarissa against um, Marie-Yves uh, Decoré and for the undisputed um, junior middleweight championship. And uh, with COVID, as of March uh, of 2020, that fight was postponed. We believed uh, that we would be back on on the schedule with Showtime, you know, we'd spoken with them and they gave us our, their word that we were going to be back on as soon as they came back from COVID. They eventually settled on a, uh, you know, Fox, uh, not Foxwoods, they, you know, out in uh, uh, Connecticut with uh, Mohegan Sun and they were doing their shows from there. Um, but I think their obligations just exceeded their desires and they uh, were unable to accommodate us. We were we were very very disappointed. I mean, I, I was shocked. But um, they told us that uh, regardless of commitments, they just couldn't do the show. And you know, it wasn't really a, a, a legal contractual type issue. We simply took their word, and and they couldn't deliver. So uh, I, I was disappointed, if not shocked. But you know, you pick yourself up and you and you uh, go get back to work. We were very close to uh, a deal that had been rumored in the press um, to do a show with uh, the UFC. And, um, I mean, that we were in the uh, 11 and a half uh, hour on that show. Um, but, again, because of COVID, 
there were just some issues that couldn't quite get done at the end of the day out in, in uh, Las Vegas with the Nevada commission. So, uh, this, you know, it's, it's a difficult environment and I put in, you know, a, a few hundred hours into each of these events to try and we just couldn't do it. But finally, 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 I give credit to uh, a few different people. Uh, Dimitri Salida said, let's do the event on pay-per-view. I'll take the risk. I'll put the money up. We've got to stand up and do our show. Uh, we owe it to Clarissa and to the women. Um, Yvonne Michelle and uh, Marie-Yves and her team were great. They could have unwound this deal a number of times, but they stuck with it and said, no, we want to do the fight. We want to do the right thing and bring this uh, great event to a uh, women's boxing event to the public. I want to get in the ring. I want to stand strong. I want to show these men throughout the boxing industry that even if they and their networks decide not to televise us, that they can't keep us down. And we're going to take destiny in our own hands. And, um, you know, as Clarissa said, the women weren't just put to the back of the bus. They were thrown off the bus in, in the United States in 2020. Um, but to her credit, you know, she's got the broad shoulders and the big, strong back to carry all the women like Charles Atlas carry the globe, as I always tell her. And she said, we're going to do this, and uh, I'm going to get in the ring and do this fight, and I'll get paid if we do enough pay-per-view buys, I'll make my money. So I give her a lot of credit because she's in this for a cause. She's in this to make, uh, you know, to make history not only as a, winning her second undisputed world championship, which would be the first, make her the first man or woman in the four belt era to do that. Incredible accomplishment, not since Evander Holyfield in 1990-91 when he was cruiserweight and heavyweight champion in the three belt era has there been someone win undisputed championships in two divisions. So, you know, again, Clarissa is going to make history or attempt to make history against a great champion and Marie Decoré. And um, she's, this event's happening because Clarissa Shields said, I'm going to make it happen, and I'm going to show the world that you can't keep women down, and we're worth watching, and uh, we're going to put on a show. So I told her, of course, that I would lend my pay-per-view experience uh, to the event and do whatever I could, and, you know, there we go. We're going March 5th in Flint, Michigan, her hometown. We've got a five-fight all-women's card. Uh, I, I can't recall a, a five-fight all-women's card happening um, in women's boxing. It's going to be a great event. We've got great fights and undercard fights to be uh, that we're putting together now and will be announced very shortly. And we're very proud, and we're going to have a lot of support from men and women in the sports and entertainment industry that are going to say, let's all stand together and, and let's make this happen. And, and you said there are going to be uh, fans allowed or a limited number of fans? Well, you know, in the COVID environment, it's really something. It, it, this, it's quite mm -hmm. challenging because day-to-day, week-to-week, day-to-day, hour-to-hour, things change. As we stand right now, we believe that in Michigan, we'll be able to have uh, 250 fans in attendance. There was some talk today that, that those numbers might be increased to 500. But, um, you know, we'll see. We just have to play it out uh, over the next few weeks. Obviously, in Flint, Michigan, we could sell 5,000 tickets in a few days, not just 500 or 250. So I'm not concerned about being able to sell the tickets. Um, but, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll have 500 to 1,000 people there 
though right now the limit is 250 and sometime in the next week to 10 days our understanding is that either the uh, the governor's office or the Michigan Athletic Commission will have something to say about what the limit's going to be for March 5th. Okay. Well, Mark, I'm going to pass you over to Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi. Hi, Mark. How are you? Okay, I'm great. Nice to hear your voice. Thank you. You know, I was kind of chuckling last night um, after a Twitter back and forth. You know, I was uh, putting out some of the fights. You know, mm-hmm. and and we all know we all know how to fight cards. There's twists and turns, right? I mean, I understand the amount of time and resources to put on the show. So, uh, but the reason why I did it, I mean, I usually don't jump the gun like that. But you know, I did it because mm-hmm. I saw it on Boxrec, and I kind of wanted to shut some people up on Twitter. You know, we mm-hmm. all know that the cards are going to change as they do, but mm-hmm. I, I wanted to shut them up about the what was being quoted. It was the not all female card. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh no, no, yeah. So I saw I saw what you saw on Box Rec, and um, you know it's funny. A long time ago, when I was at HBO, uh, you know, may may he uh, rest in peace. Cedric Kushner had a, a series called Heavyweight Explosion, all heavyweights all the time. And he came to me and he said, I want to do the show on pay per view. And I said, you know what, Cedric? I don't know how much business it'll do, but we'll try it together and we'll we'll put our heart and soul into it for you. And, um, you know, Cedric had a reputation, God bless him, for uh, having a lot of one- and two-round heavyweight fights. So you might see 15 fights in a night when you watch his show. And mm-hmm. um, about halfway through, two men got in the ring that together didn't add up to the weight of one heavyweight. And I turned to him and I said, Cedric, what's going on? And he said, well, Mark, sometimes it's mostly heavyweights most of the time. And I said, that's not <laughs> what we told the public. Now, in this case, you saw on Box Rec what I saw, which were uh, some men's fights. So, of course, I mm-hmm. called my good friend and our promoter, Dimitri Salida, and I said, what is this? It's an all-female card. And I said, is this, a, is this Cedric Kushner coming back? And he said, no, no, no. Those were non-televised fights that take place before the pay-per-view telecast. And I actually wasn't aware of them, but, you know, I, I don't have any issue with them because, they're, you know, they're – young men who need to fight just like the, the young women do. But our five-fight pay-per-view card is going to be all females. There's no doubt about that. Um, we, we basically have all the fights done. I'm waiting for a few more signatures. But um, as you reported yesterday in the fight, you reported, uh, you know, Nadia McNuzzi, who's uh, uh, undefeated, uh, we expect we're contracted to have her fight. I'm waiting for a signature from her, but uh, everything seems to be fine, and she'll be fighting against Samantha Pill, who's five and one. Um, uh-huh. What I had said to you on social media was that there may be a surprise, and I'll, I mean, I'll tell you, it's, I don't mind discussing it. The surprise is that we're hopeful that it's going to be for the uh, WBA light heavyweight title. We requested um, sanctioning from the WBA. We're just waiting to hear. But Nadia oh, ranks, wow. uh, yeah, I believe Nadia is ranked number one in uh, in, in that weight class uh, with the WBA, and Samantha's mm-hmm. in the top ten. So I'm hopeful we can bring those two. Look, we want to bring opportunities to every woman we can, and mm-hmm. if we can make that fight a, a, a light heavyweight title fight, we'd be thrilled. I'm hopeful. We're waiting, but I expect that we'll be okay. Nadia and Samantha are excited, so um, that would make it a 10-round fight. At, uh, 
Now, even though it's a 175-pound weight class, Samantha is lighter, so we agreed to 170-pound uh, maximum weight. You know, it's not a problem for Nadia, and, and Samantha's comfortable with it. So, we get, again, we're going to do, uh, you know, what works for those women to get in the ring and have their opportunity. I also expect that we're going to have Danielle Perkins, um, who, who I work with and manage, incredibly mm-hmm. talented heavyweight. I mean, yeah. it, when you close your eyes and say, what should a female heavyweight champion look like? Danielle Perkins is what, what that fighter is. I mean, Danielle Perkins looks like Carl Malone uh, with boxing gloves. Um, she's much more attractive than Carl Malone, but her body size and, and dimensions remind me of Carl Malone. She's a big girl. She's six foot tall, weighs nearly 200 pounds, um, big shoulders, narrow waist, great shape, uh, tremendous mm-hmm. talent. And um, so Daniel Perkins is most uh, likely going to be fighting against Monica Harrison um, in what uh, we believe will end up being uh, that night a WBC uh, silver title. You know, each of these women has had three fights, uh, two or three fights as professionals. It'll be Danielle's third. Monica's had three. Um, so for them to be fighting for a WBC silver belt would be a great honor for, the, for these two young ladies. I'm glad mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, bring that to them. Uh, we're hopeful Raquel Miller is going to be on the card. We're just waiting tonight and tomorrow to finalize the fight for her. Um, Raquel's incredibly talented. She can figure in the championship picture at 154 and 160. Um, mm-hmm. And we're also uh, signed on with Logan Holler, who, uh, whose who's, uh, father's football card from the Green Bay Packers in the late 1960s I had as a kid. And um, I'd be really <laughs> proud to have Logan on this card fighting at 154. Or I believe we'll probably do this fight at 160. Um, we're talking about having her fight Shamel Baldwin. But it'll be, it'll be an all-women's card. It'll be five fights, uh, you know, God willing, with no COVID complications. We'll have five fights mm-hmm. on an all-women's card we're going to be proud of, headlined by an incredible fight, an historic fight between Shields and um, Reeve Decoré from Canada. And, um, uh, you know, we didn't want to be on pay-per-view. I make no bones about it. That wasn't our choice. But when you put mm-hmm. to the back of the bus and then off the bus um, and, and you don't want to take it laying down, you stand up and you fight. And, and these women are standing up and fighting. So with them and Dimitri Salida and Dimitri putting his money on the line, we're able to bring this fight to pay-per-view and bring it to the fans. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of all the ladies who are coming on board to help support the cause. Yeah, this is – I love all these fights because – and you do agree – that you don't need a card of super fights to make a successful all-female show. This is perfect. No. Yeah. Well, you know, what you need is, you know, I always used to say it, you need, you need a lot of heart and a lot of passion. And I mm-hmm. spoke personally to every one of the women who's going to be on this card and said to them, I want you to understand what this is about. Anybody can make fights anytime. We are doing this card on pay-per-view because we want to make a statement for women's sports, a statement for women's boxing, we want to show the world that even when some of the male-dominated networks don't want to find a place for these women, that they can stand up of their own volition. And it's, it's about power in the ring and empowerment outside the ring. And I explained this to every one of them and said, if you come on board with us, you're supporting this cause because that's what this card is going to be about. And uh, we're calling the card Super Women. Because the women who are mm-hmm. participating here 
are as athletes are super, but even more importantly, as young women, they're super and they're standing for the cause. So every one of them understands what's at stake. They're proud to be part of it. Listen, when you can have all these ladies fighting on a card uh, headlined by Clarissa Shields, one of the greatest ever, um, in an undisputed uh, title fight against another great undefeated champion, um, those women also know if Clarissa and Marie Eve can do it, we can do it too. So it's one for all and all for one, and, and they're out to really uh, prove something on March 5th. Okay, so you're looking at this card and the fighters, and it's bigger than it's bigger than them. I mean, not to pay them peanuts, but yes. it is bigger than them yes. to be on this card. I know a lot There's of girls no who would love to be on this card. Yeah, you know, we could have made 20 fights if we wanted to. When I reached mm-hmm. out and explained to promoters, managers, and some of the women what the cause was and what we were fighting for, um, a lot of people are making a lot of sacrifices to be on this card. And I mean, it's financial sacrifices because they're mm-hmm. doing this without knowing, you know, it's not a network card where there's a guaranteed license fee. So I explained to the women we're going to be transparent and, and we're going to explain to everyone, uh, but you have to come on this card because you really support the cause because we just don't have the guaranteed license fee that the men are getting on, on the cards that are on some of the premium TV or uh, streaming networks right now. And every one of these women said, you know what, I want to be on that card more than ever now. And yeah. um, there, there's going to be a camaraderie and a passion that they're going to bring to the ring that night that's going to be greater than they probably uh, have ever brought to the ring before. It's going to shine on the screen. Anybody who watches, we priced the card at twenty nine ninety five. We chose a very reasonable price in today's mm-hmm. marketplace. We want the card to be accessible, and we want people to see how uh, great these young women are in the ring and, and also with their commitment and their passion outside the ring. So, so um, Raquel, you say that things are still being um, worked out. I know fans, mm-hmm. fight fans see her versus Maricela Cornejo or, or Christina yeah. Hammer. So is it yeah. not really finding the opponent? Is it really just the details that you're trying to hammer out with Raquel? Listen, you know, Raquel's a, Raquel's a really talented fighter. And as I said to you, fighting on this card requires every one of these women to sacrifice in, in the level of purse to be on the card. So mm-hmm. if they believe in the cause, and I'm very transparent with them, and I tell them everything and explain all the economics to them, then we're proud to have them. And Raquel has made the commitment to be on the card. Um, but now, you know, we have to just work out some details. She wants to know that if she's on a card like this, that there are going to be some opportunities for her going forward. So uh, I'm doing my best in my capacity, as I've always done for women's boxing, to make sure that women who uh, come on board with us know that they're going to get um, my commitment. And if you look at my track record, uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. good, pretty darn good at committing, at delivering on my commitments. You know, I've done that with Clarissa. I did it with the men for 25 yeah. years at HBO. I've done mm-hmm. it with Clarissa throughout her professional career. And um, any of the women who come on board, I've given them my commitment that I will make sure that this is worth their time and it'll be one of those moments they'll look back on in, in their careers and be proud about. So uh, we haven't finalized with Raquel, but I'm hopeful and I expect that we will. As I said, her promoters have to sacrifice a little. Everybody's got to sacrifice a little to make this card work 
given mm-hmm. the, the circumstances under which we're doing it. So it's not an easy task for anyone. But, you know, I made my living at HBO getting people to uh, – getting bringing people to the table and agreeing – uh, when those people didn't want to get to the table and when they didn't want to agree. And I'm drawing on all that experience and those skills to uh, bring people together now. But it's for a great cause to make a great point about women's boxing. And um, I think we're going to get all these women on board uh, in short fashion. Do you plan on doing any marketing such as uh, – because you have a month. As once you get yes. the fight finalized, like a really cool TikTok, oh, yeah. an online commercial, different posters all the yes. time, we can share cool yeah, videos. It's, it's so you'll be ramping re- up the promo? All ready to go. All ready to go. We have a great campaign. We've got, a great, uh, we've got great materials, both video and, uh, you know, it's funny. I say print. And I'm a little older than, than you. <laughs> and there's not a, lot, not a lot of print. Static. Static artwork. We've got some great static artwork, which will primarily be featured on social media. Um, we've got, we've actually got, uh, we, we haven't announced our broadcast team, but we're going to surprise a few people in the next week when we finalize our agreement to announce that team. There are some women who are going to come on board with us who, uh, are, are who understand what this card is about. And we're going to have a great broadcast team with some great female representation, some super all time great female representation. We have about 30 men and women who are well in sports and uh, entertainment who are very well aware of what this event is about and they can't wait to support it. And we'll be rolling that out over about a three week period. Um, I'm working on, I'm working on a lot of fun. I'm trying to get some athletes and celebrities uh, right now to do the battle of the celebrity scorecards on, on the night of that telecast. And I'm working on three or four pairings of celebrities, both male and female, who would uh, put put their, uh, their their skills to the test. We'll see what skills they have to score the bout and uh, to comment on it uh, as if it were on social media. But we would be showing it on our on our live telecast. I'm looking to have some fun. I'm looking to get their support. But you know, I, I can't say everything that's going to happen. But I know that we're going to have some great things happen because when the people uh, like myself and others on board here put our minds to things, we get cooperation and we get commitment. We're going to get it. These women deserve it. And it's going to be a lot of fun and people are going to know about it. Yeah, we're excited. I have one more question. So I know why you chose to work with uh, Clarissa Shields, and I can guess why you Mm -hmm. chose to work with the First Lady of Scotland, Hannah Rankin. You know, and I I know why you chose um, Dee Perkins. I mean, when the heavyweight division is dead, because it died when Martha Salazar retired, I was going to ask you, like, why did you choose to bring out the heavyweight? But would it – if it wasn't a Dee Perkins, would you have gone for the heavyweight? Or is it because of it was Danielle Perkins? You know, the truth uh, is, I had so I have my eye on uh, on causes, and I look to find the right athletes to work with to to deliver to really make impact. I wanted to work with women's boxing after I left HBO because I wanted to give back, and I wanted to pres- to use my experience and skills to help women because they were so underserved and they were so deserving, but yet so under underserved. 
Um, so Clarissa was the perfect vehicle. Um, and I always tell her that my goal was to, was to in effect, be the CEO of women's boxing, but on her broad shoulders, she, like Charles Atlas carried the globe to do it all because Clarissa is just phenomenal. She's a once in a century type athlete. She will be before she's done uh, for women like uh, what Billie Jean King did for women and continues to do for women. Clarissa has that capability and, and she'll deliver on that. Um, when I looked at, I wanted, you know, Seth Abraham 30 years ago said to me, there's boxing and there's heavyweight boxing. You know, when we looked at the men, the same thing is true with the women, except in the case of the women, women's boxing has been always perceived as more too often as more of a circus and a non-competitive division. And I always said that if I could find the right woman, I would anchor, you know, anchor women's boxing, anchor the sport and anchor that division around a woman. So lo and behold, I met Danielle Perkins, and immediately my eyes opened up and my mind opened up, and I said, this is a woman, phenomenal story, great skills, uh, multiple-time world champion as an amateur, um, supposed to be on the 2020 uh, U.S. Olympic team, but there was no 2020 Olympics. Um, she's mature a little bit older, mature, mm-hmm. knows where she wants to go, focused, great athlete. She played college basketball for St. John's. She, mm-hmm. um, you know, she, play, she played professional basketball overseas. And it was only because of uh, you know, an incredible accident, auto accident that she was subjected to that she was not able to uh, make her professional basketball aspirations come true, and she turned to boxing. Uh, she, I believe Danielle Perkins will be one of the great heavyweights in the history of women's boxing. And because of the timing of, of women's boxing right now, I believe that Danielle is actually going to be the savior for, uh, uh, for women's heavyweight boxing. So I'm going to put my effort into her and my time into her. Yeah. The, you know, the trick with Danielle, Danielle is great and Danielle can carry it. Everything about her is great. Um, all I need to do is, is find more women who are uh, athletes and committed like Danielle uh, to, to fight in the heavyweight division to make it something that the public wants to see. And I'm committed to it, and we're working on it in a number of ways. It's a challenge. It's a huge challenge, but that's okay. You know, big challenges means great rewards and, and history, and that's what I'm all about. So I committed myself to Danielle. Um, I love working with her. I, I love her. She's a great young lady. Um, she's got also, like Clarissa, Danielle's got broad shoulders and a big back, and she can carry a big part of this division. You know, you got Katie in the lightweights. you got Clarissa dominating the middleweights. Danielle could be the heavyweight, and those could be the three legs of a stool that no man could ever knock down. And that's what I'm hopeful will happen, and that Danielle will take her place with the other greats. I think you're right. Thank you, Mark. My Thank pleasure. you so much. Thank it's great talking to you. Felipe? Thank you. Mark, Mr. Taffet, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Thank you. Now, you mentioned that originally this fight between Clarissa Shields and Mary DeCary was originally slated to be on Showtime back in May of 2020, and obviously yeah. with covid those things change. Now, you've, actually, you've obviously had conversations with Showtime. Things change. Their commitment, like you mentioned at the beginning of the interview mm-hmm. with David, have changed. Yeah. 
have they given you any indication that sometime in the future, maybe when the pandemic is over and things open up a little bit more, they would commit themselves back to female boxing? Uh, no. No, I haven't gotten that uh, commitment from them. Um, and quite honestly, I'm so disappointed that uh, that they are not involved with this fight. Um, as I said, it wasn't a written, signed contractual commitment, but to me it was even more important than that. It was somebody's word. Um, mm. The fact that they didn't deliver on that and live up to that, um, I don't really – personally, I would do anything that would help Clarissa Shields, but I don't want to be someplace where people have uh, broken their word to us, especially knowing when, when they know how important it was uh, to us and to Clarissa. I take it really personally. You know, in this business, you shouldn't take things personally, but unfortunately I do. My heart and soul has always been into everything I've done. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm really uh, uh, disappointed. That's the best word I'll use right now. And um, uh, I don't want to go back to somebody uh, who didn't want us. And um, so that, that's probably just the way it's going to be. As I said, I'll do anything that's in Clarissa Shields' interest and anything she ever wants. And I'll never let my desires or my principles get in the way of that. But um, if Clarissa Shields supports me, uh, I don't want to go back where somebody broke their word. Moving away a little bit from the event, and we'll come back to it. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's no secret that Miss Clarissa Shields is very heavily in, uh, invested in MMA. She's been training yes. in that um, in that discipline for some months now. Mm-hmm. She has mentioned that yes. she will be going into MMA sometime in the future. Do we expect Clarissa Shields to be in an octagon in her next fight after March 5th? That's the direction, or do you think there's more boxing before the octagon as far as her next Uh, fight? Yeah, well, I'll tell you. Look, things always change, but I'll tell you at least right now what the landscape looks like. So Clarissa and I talked a lot. You know, there's no accidents with us. In 10 pro fights, she's won nine world titles, three weight divisions, which no – no man or woman ever did within 10 professional fights. Um, she's undisputed champion in middleweight. She's uh, attempting to win her second undisputed championship. Uh, none of it is an accident. I always tell Clarissa, we look to make history in every fight that we do. Um, and that's what you have to do in women's boxing today to break through and to, uh, you know, put, put, put yourself where you deserve to be. So, um, I spoke to her and, you know, she had a desire to see what MMA was like because she's always looking for another challenge. Um, she had talked about whether she wanted to leave boxing or uh, to pursue MMA. And she and I spoke and, you know, I told her, look, I've got decades of uh, experience and, and uh, you know, intelligence is what happens with people who just have something innate in them. Wisdom is something that comes with uh, decades of experience. So, in my case, wisdom came about, and uh, I was very fortunate. And I said to Clarissa, look, you should be a two-sport athlete. You, you are the greatest boxer in the world today and perhaps the greatest in the history of women's boxing. And you shouldn't give that up ever. And she, uh, you know, she was 
uh, disenchanted with what had gone on over the last year. But she also is very intelligent, very level-headed, and she doesn't let her emotions get the better of her. And she said, you know what? You're right. And I said, Our, let, let's develop the mantra that we're going to be two sport champions in the same vein as Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders. And except in Clarissa's case, the goal is to become a champion in both sports simultaneously. Nobody's ever done that in combat sports. So um, if anybody can do it, Clarissa Shields can do it. And no one will do it better than Clarissa Shields because I always tell people, other than Floyd Mayweather, in my entire career, I've never seen a fighter as talented as Clarissa. Um, she's going to fight. Her, the plan is for her to, to uh, hopefully win, in, you know, in her, uh, attempt to win, and hopefully win the Undisputed World Championship at 154 in March. Um, then we expect that she'll go right back to Jackson Wink uh, MMA Academy in Albuquerque and get ready for a June uh, MMA um, debut with the PFL on ESPN. Uh, and then she'll be back in, uh, uh, again in the fall in boxing and then probably close out the year with another MMA match. I expect her to fight t- two boxing matches and two MMA matches. She can do it. She's willing to train. Uh, she said she had plenty of time off in 2020. She's willing to train every day of the year in 2021 to move herself forward and realize her dreams and make history. So uh, Clarissa is going to do what very few people have done, and she's going to do it well. She's got the greatest MMA trainers in the world. She's got a fantastic boxing promoter in Dimitri Salida. Um, you know, she and Dimitri have a great relationship. Dimitri cares for her more than I've seen almost any promoter in my life care for, for a fighter. Um, he's taking all the risk on this fight on pay-per-view so that Clarissa can realize her dreams of a second undisputed title. Uh, and the MMA side, we've got PFL, Peter Murray over there is just a magnificent partner. And he and Dimitri are going to be great partners together because they know that one plus one equals four. Clarissa is great in boxing and great in MMA. Then she's going to be one of the greatest stars, male or female in sports, and entertainment in the world today in short fashion, and it's going to accrue to, uh, to Dimitri and to Peter and the PFL. So uh, we got big plans, but, you know, with Clarissa Shields, big plans become reality, and I expect that to happen quickly. Now, my last question, Mr. Tafik, so we know you're in the East Coast, and it's a little late over there. You've echoed um, during this interview what we talked about in our last show when we announced that this fight card was going to go down, that this is a very important event for female boxing. This is going to make a statement for female boxing. You know, a lot of critics have stated that female boxing doesn't sell, that people are not interested in female boxing. And this is the event to show that that's not true. And, you know, we as a show, Two Minute Round, we've been on the air for about four or five years. We've committed ourselves. We're not, and, and, we, and we made it very clear in our last show, we make it clear again that we're not receiving any, any money or any special treatment from the promoters, from Mr. Tapper, from Salida, mm-hmm. from anybody for no. us to, yep. to mention the show and, and, and promote it as we feel it should. And we're hoping to get some mm-hmm. more guests on our show uh, to talk about it. But my last question mm-hmm. is for you. How, what does this event have to generate for, to be successful for us, for, for female boxing and for you guys as the organizers to say, this was a success, you know, 
and we can do more of these and move mm-hmm. on and maybe and maybe unshackle ourselves from the showtimes and all these other mm-hmm. networks that we basically have to beg yes. for a slot for. What needs to yes. happen as far as financially or numbers wise for for that to happen? Well, it's funny because you're talking to a guy who did pay-per-view for a living for 25 years. And, and, you know, I generated 56 million pay-per-view buys in the fights that I did. So ironically, my answer to this card is in order for this fight to be successful, it has to happen. If this fight happens, then the women have made their point. They have proven that they can stand on their own and bring their fights to the public and never have anybody tell them you can't fight and you're not going to be on television. Uh, That's all that has to happen. From a financial perspective, the truth is when these women get in the ring, I know they're going to be successful enough and generate enough revenue that they could support many more of these cards. But I'll also say I don't want women to have to be relegated to pay-per-view to where they can generate money. But the, the issue is, you know, pay-per-view is a great medium um, to generate money. But um, the reason some of the biggest fights have been on pay-per-view is because the medium was built for the biggest fights to generate the most money that other networks couldn't provide. I want these women to have more exposure. Women's boxing needs to be seen on broader outlets. We're doing this fight on pay-per-view simply and not so simply to say, don't tell us we can't fight because we can fight anytime we want and we can put ourselves in a place. The public that wants to watch us is going to buy us and watch our fights and God bless them. We appreciate their support. Those women get in the ring. They are winners. They will make their point. I promised them that all of the publicity and marketing uh, tactics that, that I know that we used for 30 years at HBO pay-per-view, all of that's going to be employed here. People will know this card's taking place. Other fighters will support it. You'll see there's going to be a groundswell of support here, and every one of these women is going to feel like a million bucks that they were part of history and that they made this point. This will be looked at as a moment in history, not just in women's boxing, but in boxing, when a group of women stood up and stood strong and said, no one keeps us down, no one. And that's bigger than any amount of money. However, having said that, I'm supremely confident we're going to generate the money we need to so that if we need to do more cards this way, we can. I'm committed to it. I'm not going to let these women fail. And the fact that they have committed and shown confidence uh, in, in me and, and Dimitri Salida and said we're with you, there's no way we're going to let them down. Well, Mr. Taffet, we thank you for your time. Very important. Like always, we wish you all the luck, and we'll be supporting thank you. the event on March 5th, and we'll be waiting on bated breath. Uh, for all the surprises that you have mentioned here on the show. <laughs> okay, a little bit of pressure, but I, I thrive in it. So thanks a lot. I appreciate <laughs> the time. And I look forward to seeing and speaking to all of you, speaking to all of you for sure, and getting through COVID so I can actually see you all again. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Taffy. Have, have a good night. Okay, have a good night. Take care. Bye. Good night, Mark. Bye. Good night. And there you have it, folks, Mr. Mark Taffet, co-manager and very involved, obviously, in the, in, in the career of Ms. Clarissa Shields and on the Superwoman pay-per-view event scheduled for Saturday, March 5th. It's a Saturday, right? Uh, uh, Saturday. I think it's a Saturday. I think it's a Friday. Uh, March, April. Yeah, it's a Friday, Friday, March 5th. 
uh, Superwoman headlined by Clarissa Shields, and he has confirmed that it's going to be an all-female boxing card as there were rumors that there were some men involved or whatever. There might be men on the card, but I don't believe they're going to be televised on the pay-per-view um, part of the show. So before we have our next guest, who should be calling in in about five minutes, Mr. Cesar Garcia of Grito de Guerra Promotions, who are uh, part of the promotion for the Sonia Osorio versus Adelaide Reese WBC Interim Super Flyweight World Title Fight in Mexico on March 20th. Let's talk about the announcement from the WBC today that the feather, featherweight Amanda Serrano has been elevated to absolute or regular champion, whereas Jelena Miranovic has been elevated to champion emeritus. And now Serrano is scheduled to defend her WBO and WBC titles against Daniela Bermudez, who has been the 118 and 122 pound champion for the WBO and the IBF. One thing, David, that came to mind as soon as I heard this announcement is that they kind of took away the reason of why Amanda Serrano and Jelena Moranovich should face each other inside the ring. I mean, obviously, that's a fight that we've been wanting to see for years and years and years. And even if that t- title is not involved or is not as important as it once was to make that fight, it was basically the only reason why Amanda Serrano felt that she could push Jelena Moranovich into the ring because she was the number one ranked interim champion with Moranovich, the regular champion. And now that Moranovich has been elevated, so she's really not the champion anymore. There's really no reason why that fight should happen, David. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm I'm very confused on what's going on with this uh, announcement. I mean, not so much that that Amanda's been uh, elevated to a champion. I understand that, but why uh, the emeritus? Uh, w- what does it mean? Uh, does it mean that? She's not fighting anymore. Does it mean she doesn't have to fight Amanda? I'm just very confused by all these uh, shenanigans. It just it doesn't make sense, Lupi. What are your thoughts on it? So to me, it is confusing. Um, my first thought was, does Jelena not want to fight? Is that what she doesn't want to face Amanda? And then they gave her this champion emeritus, which seems like it's a forever title. And you're right. Like, what are they going to – I guess she has to def- – Jelena, if she wants her title back, then she would have to fight Amanda. But like you said, it, it took away the reason. So I'm a little confused too. But at first I, I was thinking, does Jelena just not want to fight? And this is what happened because of it. Well, the way that this emeritus title works, which Floyd Mayweather, I believe, has been named one, Vladimir Klitschko, or Vitaly Klitschko actually was named one. Um the way that it works supposedly is that you're like a special champion. And if at any time you want to challenge for the regular title, you basically jump to the front of the line. So if Jelena Maranovic in six months or in a year or whatever the case may be, which I don't see it happening, wants to challenge Amanda Serrano for the WBC title, she just has to send a letter to the WBC and she gets, she gets, uh, she make she becomes a mandatory. Doesn't matter who's ranked in the in, in the actual uh, rankings for the WBC or anything. She jumps to the front of the line at any point. She could retire for two years, come back in two years. She says, "I want to fight for the title." She goes to the front of the line and gets the challenge next for that world title. But like David, I'm also confused. We don't know what's the status of Magdalena Moranovic. You know, she is supposedly still the WBA champion. So if at one point or another Serrano wants to unify. She would have to go through Jelena Moranovich. 
at, at the, for the WBA, but we don't know what's going on there either. So I guess it's just a time of a matter of waiting to see what's going to happen next. Now, before we move on to our next guest, who is on the line, we ask for a, a minute. David, Daniela Bermudez, you know, from Argentina. She only comes out and fights, make big fights out of Argentina. She came to Mexico and fought Mariana Juarez. Now she's going to Puerto Rico on March uh, 25th and fighting Amanda Serrano. I mean, we all know that Daniela Bermudez is a great fighter. She's, t- she's ranked in the top five pretty much in every list out there. But do you think that she could present enough of a challenge of a, at 126 pounds when she has campaigned as low as 108 and most of her career at 118? Uh, that, that's a good question because uh, up to 122, I think she could fight anybody and defeat anybody. But up at 126, that's a, that's a hefty jump. Uh, Amanda's so strong and so skilled. I don't know if she can hang with her, but we'll see. I mean, Bermuda's is very, very good. I mean, you have two pound-for-pound fighters going against each other. This is rare. And uh, just on skill alone, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. It is going to be a great fight. It'll be great. But Amanda's too big. Yeah, I agree. Amanda's too big, but it'll be great. Now, Bermudez did vacate at 122 IBF title as soon as she won it. She won it, and then she just vacated it and went back to 118 in her WBO title. But I do believe that although the skill is going to be there, like David mentioned, two top top uh, ten fighters um, facing each other, you know, Serrano can say what she wants, and, and her team can say what she wants, and she's gone all the way down to 115. But we all know that her wheelhouse is between 126 and 135. And now we have a Daniela Bermudez, who is a natural 118-pounder who has campaigned for the majority of her career in that weight class, and now moving up, uh, you know, to 126, eight pounds. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty significant. But, but we'll see what happens on March 25th, and it is going to be broadcast in the United States on that Ring City Boxing Series, which we had seen from the Wild Card Gym. But this one's going to be from Puerto Rico. But now on the line with us from Los Angeles. It's Mr. Cesar Garcia, who is the CEO of Grito de Guerra Promotions, who is part of the promotional team that is putting together the Sonia Osorio against Adelaide Ruiz WBC interim super flyweight title fight on March 20th in Mexico. And let's patch them on in. Mr. Garcia, how are you doing tonight? I am doing great. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. It's, uh, it's truly an honor. Um you know, I've known David for a long time, and he's been one of the top guys for a minute, you know, as far as journalism. And, you know, when when, when David asks you to be on the show, you, you can't say no, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Garcia. Thank you for being here on the two-minute round. And with that said, I am going to pass you on to Mr. David Avila. David, go right ahead. Cesar, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great, David. Thank you. Thank you very much. For people that don't know uh, Cesar Garcia, in, in Southern California, or actually the Southwest, uh, Cesar is pretty well known. Uh, I mean, he's he was once a prize fighter, the, the trainer, a man, he's, he's done everything, everything in boxing. And now he's delving into promotions. Um, yeah, yeah, really, uh, yeah. I, I've never been a trainer, though. I've never been a trainer, although maybe one day. Oh, is that right? Oh, so, so I yeah. jumped the gun there. Yeah, a little um, bit, but hey, maybe you're looking into the future. Who knows? Who are some of the fighters? Name some of the fighters that you work with right now. 
Oh man, currently my 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 most I would say biggest name, um, relatively speaking, of course, would be would be uh, Oscar Negrete, who fights uh, next week. He's fighting on yeah. uh, next Saturday against Roddy Rios at the Fantasy Springs. So uh, he's my uh, he's my cornerstone. I always say Negrete is my cornerstone. He's such a great guy, very disciplined. I I love the kid. Um, I have a kid, uh, a kid out of uh, Reseda. He's a Taj- from Tajikistan, but he's in. Re- he he lives and trains out of Reseda. Alinzi Makanov, a, a tough featherweight that uh, a lot of people don't want to fight. You know, kid is tough. He has a lot of power, and uh, he's a sleeper for sure. I have a kid, Brandon Valdez, that just fought against Robesi Ramirez. Uh, we didn't get the outcome we wanted, of course, but uh, was a was a definitely a learning experience for. For the whole team, not just Brandon. So I have him, and uh, I'm gonna be working with uh, with Cobrita Gonzalez, uh, uh, the former champion Alejandro Gonzalez. His 16 year old son is gonna be turning pro on my fight card, and then I'll be working with him as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, man, I hope I didn't forget some of the other guys I work with, but uh, there's a few others that are out of out of the country and stuff, and uh, just having fun doing this, you know. So, so Cesar, how did how did you get in? The how did you get involved with women's boxing? Now, what caught your eye? Oh man, David, you know, and I've told you in the past, I have, I have never, I was never really a huge fan of women's boxing for no other reason that that I didn't think the skill level was one that I that I was really uh, enjoying. You know, I didn't really enjoy watching the skill level of women's boxing at the time. MMA was always a little bit above as far as skill level, but. Uh, I started watching this girl. I saw her at the Quiet Cannon, um, the one that's fighting on my card there, Adelaida or Cobra. Man, that girl is awesome. And and and, and ever since her, I started kind of paying attention a little bit more to women. And I mean, their skill level is, is, is definitely is definitely picked up uh, quite a bit just in these last few years. And uh, and thing about women's uh, boxing um, is that women they don't come to they don't come feel each other out. They come to fight. You know what I mean? They, all the fights are always great and uh, always action packed. So I kind of feel where you're coming from, David, because I know you've been you've been following them for a long time. Now I see why. Yeah, there's some talented uh, women that have passed through Southern California and the Southwest, and actually now they're building up in the North, in Northern California. There's a whole bunch of them. In fact, uh, uh, one of our our my co-hosts on this show is Lupe Gutierrez. And she works with uh, dozens and dozens of women in Northern California. You'll be talking to her soon. But first, tell me, how did you get the idea to do promotion companies? Man, as you know, like we were just talking about, I've been managing guys for some time now. And, uh, you know, I'm very familiar with all the promoters, um, all the guys. I know them all. They know me. They know what I do. And just because I know them, People think that oh I can get my guys onto any card anytime I want and that's not the case you know they they have their their standards that they got to go by as well and sometimes they don't match up so it's it's not that easy to get guys fights so I figured if I could figure out a way to fight my guys and it not cost me money out of my pocket as much you know um, then then I got to do it so um, I did a few promotions in Guadalajara. Um, I actually teamed up with Canelo's brother on a few of them. Um, he helped me out a lot out there. 
and uh, just did a co-promotion in TJ and um, ended up working out a, a pretty nice deal with a hotel chain here in, in Riviera Nayarit. And uh, that's kind of where it, it, it led, you know, but just because I wanted to save money and, and, and have my guys fight, really, at the end of the day, you know. Oh, interesting. And, and what about uh, including uh, Adelaida? How did that, uh, where did you get that idea? Just from watching her fight or, or how did it come about? Man, David, I'm not even going to lie. I'm not even going to lie. This, this, it just fell on my lap, to be quite honest with you. I, I was... I was actually looking to do fight cards in uh, in Nayarit for a while already. I had been knocking on doors um, for a minute as far as hotels and uh, finally got to somebody um, that I worked out a pretty good deal with. So I was really concentrating on just putting together a nice fight card and wasn't really worried about any names or making it like a big thing. I just wanted to make sure that there were good fights, you know, good quality or like good evenly matched fights. So I was trying to put that together, and and uh, as I'm putting these fights together, um, my 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 partner in this venture here is Marvin, who who has his two boys, uh, Moreno and Morenito. Um, he, I guess he had worked with her as far as red boxing, and he told me, "Hey, I got this fight. It's pretty much been agreed to. Uh, you just got to put together the numbers, and uh, and if you could put it together, they'll fight." So I just happened to know. Uh, Osorio's coach is a, is a friend of mine, so it was an easy it was easy to give him a call and work it out. And uh, once we worked it out, I mean, it was it was it was pretty easy. I mean, the, both girls wanted to fight. Um, I wanted to fight. Everybody wanted to fight. So it was if I didn't work, it, it was like it was a fumble at the one yard line. If it would have been on my behalf had I not put the <laughs> fight together. So so I managed to, to do it. But really, in reality, it, it kind of fell on my lap because. It, it wasn't something like I I looked for. It just kind of happened, and and of course I gotta I gotta. It's an opportunity I gotta jump on, you know. And where can people see the uh, this fight card? Is it gonna be streamed or or televised or? Yeah, so we have uh, that night will be will be a pay per view, which the final price is still being decided on. It'll be announced in the next day or so. Um, that day, if you want to see it live, uh, if you actually want to see the fights live, I mean, it's going to be no crowd. It's going to be an open-air arena, but the open-air arena sits in the middle of a hotel um, in, uh, in in Nuevo, in, uh, Nuevo Vallarta or Riviera Nayarit. So it's like they're going to sit it in the middle there. So we're not going to have a crowd, but if you're in your hotel room or you're in the pool, you can watch these fights kind of from a distance, but you can watch them live, you know. So if you're a guest at the hotel, you can watch them live. If not that night, you could. We're gonna do a, a pay per view on. Uh, I think believe it's FightNights.com. They'll be doing the uh, the pay per view for us live, and uh, it's gonna be taped delayed on the West Coast on LA TV. They have their uh, their series of a uh, what is it called World Class Boxing? I think it's called, and uh, will be on that channel on a tape delay a few a few days later. Not exactly how many days later. Uh, I I don't know yet how many days later, but. Maybe like about ten days later, it'll be on TV regionally oh, in Los okay. Angeles area and all that. Oh, good, good so, to know. Sasa, uh, I'm going to introduce you. Uh, it's it's my honor to to introduce you to Lupe Gutierrez from San Francisco. Lupe, take the take the mic. Hi, Sasa. How are you? Hi, Lupe. I'm I'm great. Thank you. Pleased to meet you. 
It's really nice to meet you, too. You know, you sound just like my sister. You're a dad, except all in the female form. You're a dad, a brother, a promoter, a manager, psychiatrist, oh gym owner, realtor. When, when, <laughs> when, when you manage boxes, you're all of that. All of that and then some. You know, big brother, <laughs> mentor, shrink, everything. You know what I mean? So it's, I, it's, it's, I it's totally pretty get gratifying. It. You know, so David, you answered one of my questions. You answered one of my questions. Uh, you were talking about uh, female boxing, your feelings about it at the time, and how you're, how it's evolved for you, for women in the sport. So knowing that, you know, with all the young talent you have in Southern California, Sinise Estrada, La Cobra, Lorraine Villalobos, Marari Vivar, Stephanie Chavez, have you already had any thoughts about promoting an all-female fight card in L.A.? Uh, you know what? You're, funny you say that because – not not in Los Angeles maybe, but in Mexico I have I have considered it. Um, and and then I, I go back to to uh, to what I said earlier. I mean, back in when I got into boxing, I was already into very deep into MMA, and and I remember back then they had an all girls fight card for MMA, and it was one of the best cards I've ever seen live. It was it was awesome. So I've always thought doing an all girl one would be awesome. So. Have I considered it? Yes. How soon will it happen? I don't know, but it, the way I'm doing things right now, it very well could be the next one. You know, I don't know. Yeah, don't forget, we have a lot of talent in Northern California, too. We're not so far away. <laughs> oh, no, far no, not Mexico. at all. I'll definitely keep you in mind. Definitely. And, you know, I was looking at um, one of your videos today, one of your interviews, and when you speak of your fighters, such as Brandon Valdez, you know, you speak about them with love like a dad coach. You know, you've also said that being a gym owner, you also get your pick of who you want to work with. So uh, tell us a little bit about the relationship you have with your kids and the young people at Black House Boxing. Well, just like you said, my kids, uh, I don't have any kids myself, but my wife and I consider these guys our kids. Um, I have a living area where where they stay when they're from out of town. Um, And like kids like Brandon, I mean, he got he got to me when he was just turned eighteen, and uh, I mean he's a, he was technically a, a young a boy almost you know a young man a boy or whatever he looked like a boy. Um, he gets here and you you see him, you see them grow up and you know he's a twenty two year old man now, and uh, yeah. you know, you kind of you kind of go through the the highs and the lows with them so you become close and then just in general I, I come from a pretty uh, family oriented background. So not only do they become close to me, they become close to my parents, my sister, my nephews. They become mm-hmm. part of our family, which it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool, you know. Um, I mean, we love it, and that's just the way my team works, and, and we love it. But I, I give other – not all kids are the same. You know, some kids like that. Other kids want to be a little bit more alone. So whatever they whatever they want, you've you got to let them be as well, you know. But we just naturally become family-oriented when they're around my, my family. Yeah, I, I love it. I love how you are. God, you're, you're just like us. But I know we're pushing up on time, so I'm going to um, pass it to Felipe. But I'm gonna ta- I'll talk to you off the board, off, uh, offline, on social media. Look, absolutely. Get my number from David, and we'll talk anytime. That's great. Thank you. It was really great yeah, talking to you. Have a good night. Felipe? Bye-bye. Yes, you thank too. you. Cesar, we follow on this show, we follow the uh, the career of Elisa Reese. You know, we've gone out and actually – I've actually had the, the the honor to see her fight a couple of times, and I'm as impressed as you are with her style and, and her personality and her demeanor. 
and all that. Now, one thing that we do know about her is that she had not had a lot of interest from promoters. She was working with Red Boxing, but it was nothing, a signed contract or anything like that. Can we assume that if she wins this fight, she has a contract with Grito de Guerra Promotions? Uh, I mean, I would love to assume that. I would love to assume that. Uh, we haven't taken it past this fight. Uh, I know as a promoter, it's probably not the smartest move, but uh, I, I didn't bring her to the table, so I'm, I'm having respect for my for my for my partner, who still is the president of Red Boxing. So uh, I'm not. I'm as far as myself personally signing this girl. I would love to, but that's not on the table for me right now. Maybe it'll come up. Maybe it won't. But uh, as far as working with her in, in conjunction with with Marvin and Red Boxing, I, I would love to. I mean. I think this girl oh. has, has great potential, you know, absolutely. So, so actually, so so just to get this straight and know where everything where everything sits, Marvin, who is the the CEO of Red Boxing, he's involved with this promotion as well um, in Mexico. He's basically working with you and putting it together, maybe behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, he's behind, behind the scenes. Um, I'm, a few of his guys I'm, are on my card. So whether those are Red Boxing fighters or not, I'm not aware. But uh, Marvin is somebody that that I've worked with in the past, and and I mean it looks like we're going to continue to work going forward. So so absolutely, um, you know I'm going to work with him whether it's with if he's with the Red Boxing or with anybody else. It's we have a great relationship, and and, and we want to continue to have that as far as I'm concerned. Now you mentioned <clears throat> that you you worked out a deal with uh, this hotel, this resort in uh, in the Riviera Nayarit out there in Nueva Yarta. Um, for all those of you guys who don't know, Puerto Vallarta is separated by a state line. Some half of it is in Jalisco, and the other half is in Nayarit. And the Nayarit part is the newer area of Puerto Vallarta and the Jalisco side. Uh, so as I've been out there. It's really nice, uh, and I'm looking forward to like the setup. How you guys gonna set up? You mentioned that it's gonna be in the middle of the hotel, so it sounds gonna be pretty exciting. You said you worked out a deal with them. Um, how many fight cards are you scheduled to have with them, let's say, this year? And if so, are you looking to put at least one female fight on each one of those cards, even if it doesn't include Adelaida? Um, as far as male or female fights on each card, that could, I mean, I can or can't, I may or may not. I could be like, like I told Lupa earlier, it may be an all-girl card. I don't know. I, I don't know as far as the the type I just want to get good fights. So if I get a good fight I'll put it on whether it's male or female. Um as far as the hotel, I mean we we, we have a, a an agreement um you know for for four fights a year for this next year at least. Um we had to push this first fight card you know a little bit more so I don't know if four is gonna be feasible. But at least three I think I can get done this year absolutely. Um but I'm looking at this first one as my as my like I need to show this hotel that that we're gonna do the a good show. Luckily, we got them a championship fight for for their first show. Um, they're happy with that. And uh, if if I can do a good show, I'm sure we'll continue to do this for more than just a year. You know, I want to I, I personally would like to make this into something of a of some sort of a series where I can develop fighters and 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 uh, grow it to the point where I can sign fighters and bring them to the states eventually. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you have a good fight. We are looking forward to the Sonia Osorio, Adelaide Ruiz, WBC Interim Super Flyweight title fight scheduled for March 20th from 
Nuevo Rivera Rivera Nayarit yes. out there in Mexico, and um, yes. and you as you mentioned, it's, go ahead. I'm sorry, it's, it's the the Crystal Grand, the Crystal Grand Casino or a Crystal Grand Hotel Nuevo Vallarta. It's uh, it's beautiful. It's a paradise out there. It's it really is paradise. It really is yes, paradise. Very, very beautiful, beautiful, beautiful weather. You know, and and you've been there, so yeah, um, you know. Yeah. So uh, if you guys want to get more information as far as the pay-per-view or where you can see this fight live, follow Grito de Guerra Promotions on Facebook and other social media. You'll be able to see it out there. And we thank you, Cesar, for being here with us. And hopefully we get to talk to you um, later on this year about any of the other events you'll be planning. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, keep an eye out. I-, I hope to make some noise. I'm going to continue to put on, uh, you know, even, you know, good, well-matched fights, you know, and, uh, We'll see what happens, you know. It's, it's kind of crazy where I'm at, but just having a good old time. <laughs> there you go, Seth. All right. Have a good night, brother. Okay. Bye, Thank Seth. you, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. All right. There you go. And you have Cesar Garcia of Grito de Guerra Promotions, who is putting on the fight between WBC interim super flyweight champion Mesona, Sonia Osorio and Adelaide Ruiz. Actually, I've seen both of these ladies fight live and – you know, it's going to be a good fight. Sonia Osorio doesn't back up. I think that Lila Reese is a lot more skillful, skill-wise. You know, she's a very good fighter. She hits very hard. She has very good technique. But Sonia Osorio doesn't take a step back. You know, she doesn't take a step back. She goes forward. She is a champion for a reason. And this is going to be one of those barn burners um, in the first trimester of the, of the year. So we got a little bit of time. Let's move on. To Giovanna Perez of New Zealand has announced her retirement from boxing. She held the WBO light heavyweight title. Perez went pro at 38 years old, and now at 44, she feels her best days are behind her as far as competing at a world-class level. She does not plan to participate. She does plan to participate in a kickboxing fight in her native New Zealand before saying goodbye to the ring. And earlier in our first interview, Mr. Mark Taffin mentioned that. I forgot the lady, the fighter's name, Lupi, who I think trains with Floyd Mayweather Sr., who looks like the surprise is that she'll be fighting for this vacant WBA light heavyweight title. Do you remember her name? Oh, that he was talking about? Uh, yeah, the lion. Zeta? Nope. Um, call her the lion. Yeah, Zeta, she, she trains with uh, yeah, Mr. Nadia. Floyd Mayweather Sr. Nadia. Yeah, all I know is she's Nadia the lion. She's like 5-0. And she trains with Floyd Mayweather Senior. Floyd Mayweather Senior actually says she's like Floyd Mayweather Junior in female, but you know you expect for him to say that. Um, so <laughs> Javon Perez decides to hang up the gloves. She's gonna do one more kickboxing fight, you know. And her claim to fame actually is that she, I think she's like the only light heavyweight champion that female boxing has ever had. David, do you remember another one? That might have been a light heavyweight champion, 175 pounds. I mean, we've had heavyweights, but a light no. heavyweight. Yeah, yeah I, don't, the they, I think they created that, that category just yeah, for her, her so, uh, last year. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, but it, it, it's kind of nice because now we have another fighter who's going to be fighting. Another set of fighters that are going to be fighting for that title, the vacant one, which she's leaving vacant because she's retiring on that March 5th fight card, where Clarissa Shields is going to take on Mary Eve DeCarry on pay-per-view Superwoman, which Mr. Mark Taffet. Uh, was gracious enough to come on the show and talk about. And lastly, in our fight chatter, earlier this week, it was announced current WBC flyweight champion Yvette La Roca Zamora will make the third defense of her title against 
2012 Olympic bronze medalist Marlene Esparza, although no official date has been set, it was revealed it will be sometime in April at a venue to be announced. The 10-round fight will be marked will mark Zamora's debut, the United States. So, so if we put the if we if, off the top of our heads, you know, because we don't have it in front of it, but the fight that we have to look forward at least before April is the rematch between Jessica McCasco and and uh, Cecilia Breakout, which I think is undercard of uh, of uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez against Jose, uh, Juan Francisco Estrada from On the Zone. Then we have um, uh, 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 Anabel Ortiz, the Vispa, the WBA 105-pound champion, uh, defending against Cineas Estrada also in March. I think that's March 20th on the zone. And then we have the Adelaida Reese, well, Sonia Osorio against Adelaida Reese fight, which hope is going to be on pay-per-view fightnights.com, uh, which I would expect the pay-per-view be, I don't know how much they're going to charge because I, 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 I actually bought that a week ago, two weeks ago. It was a fight card here in Tijuana and it was $5.99. I don't know if this one from Grito de Guerra is going to be as low as that, but I, mean, I wouldn't expect it to be a lot more either, but yeah. that's, going to be, that's going to be good as well. And then, uh, and then in April, we have Yvette La Roca Zamora making her U.S. debut, none other against Marlene Esparza. That's going to be a great fight as well. David, what are your thoughts on, on this fight between Zamora and Esparza? Well, that's going to be a heck of a fight. you got two contrasting styles. One's a, a charge and go forward, and the other's a boxer mover. It's going to be mm-hmm. very interesting. And that's something that, that La Roca Zamora mentioned in a press release that was put out by MTK um, Global, which is her managerial company, where she, she realizes, you know, the pedigree that Marlene Esparza brings into the ring. I mean, we're talking about a 2012 Olympic bronze medalist. I think right up there with Clarissa Shields as one of the most well-known um, U.S. amateurs, you know, as we all know, you, uh, you, female boxing wasn't included in the Olympics until 2012. Um, and then it was 2014, 2012 and 2016 now. And then we're waiting for 2020, but it looks like it might get canceled. So in 2012, you know, Clarissa Shields won the gold medal in her weight class, and Marlene Esparza won the bronze medal. But Esparza, before and after that, became a superstar with all the endorsements, McDonald's, Nike, CoverGirl, who else? Mm-hmm. I don't know, the rest of them, Lupe, you Coke, know better Coca-Cola. than I do. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable how big Marlene Esparza has gotten with her endorsements, and especially also in, like, the Latino market, which obviously she's Mexican-American. So, you know, she, she crosses over there. You know, and the pedigree that she brings on. But Samora, I mean, you can't. You know, she's won every. She's won titles at 105, 108, and 112. She's faced everybody you could ever face in those weight classes. She's beating most of them. You know that she's faced. So even though Marlene Sparks is bringing all that talent and all that technique and all, Samora's bringing in a lot of experience. And she she's from Mexico City. Well, from the state of Mexico which is up there in the altitude. She's going to bring a lot of conditions. She's going to throw a lot of, of, uh, of, uh, of punches. We've seen Esparza, you know, lose to Siniesa Estrada. We've seen her come back and win against Sulem Urbina. So on paper, and because of her talent and her pedigree, you would think that Esparza is the clear-cut favorite. 
but I wouldn't go as far as calling her a favorite. I mean, I think it's a 50-50 fight because Samora brings a lot to the table as well, Lupi. Yeah. Yeah, She. it's not a. Um, it's not totally Marlene's fight, but it sure shows Marlene does take the fight, taking some real fights. That's what I like about it. True. But I mean, she's not the favorite. You don't think she's the favorite, Marlene? No, I don't think so. But it just shows that she takes the fight. I love that. What does it say about Marlene Esparza, David, where in her last four fights, she's taken on Sinis Estrada, who now is an uh, interim world champion and on the verge of being a world champion. She took on Selene Urbina, and now she's taking on Yvette La Roca Zamora. I mean, what does that say about Marlene Esparza and the way that she's being developed and the fights that she's taking, as Lupe is saying? I think she has a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence in her skills and her experience. I, I think she... She's hoping to translate that in, in the pro world because she's had success in the amateur world. And it may or may not come to light in the pros, but it's a little different when you have somebody that doesn't care about points is trying to knock your head off. So we'll see. Yeah. It's, I, I'm like you. It's a 50-50 fight. I think it's a great <laughs> fight. We've got to move on. We've got about a minute to go real quick. This Saturday night, if you get a chance – Try to look for this fight on the Azteca channel. Jamiles Mercado, the WBC 122-pound champion, takes on Alejandra Guzman in her first defense of that title. I think that's a barn burner as well. I think it's a 50-50 fight, not because they're as skillful and talented as Zamora and Marlene Esparza, but because despite of that, they're not as skillful. I think they're going to make for a good, a good, a good, good fight. Um, so wait for that fight this Saturday night. And our next show is February 18th, which we hope to have one or two of the participants of that March 5th fight card on the show so they can talk to us about that. With that said, from Lupe Gutierrez and from Mr. David Avila, we bid you good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, all. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.